I'm Adam Brewer, lead pastor of Glory Fellowship Baptist Church in Jasper, Alabama. We want to thank you for joining us today. As you listen to this podcast, our hope is that you are challenged and encouraged by God's Word. We know that God's Word gives life, and our hope is that you experience God's abundant life as you listen today. He is the only one who can. He's the only one that can turn a sinner into a saint. He's the only one that can take our shame and our failures and turn it into something for his glory. We are glad that you are here this morning. I want to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew 5. Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Randy and guys, thank you for leading us this morning. Matthew 5, starting in verse 13, as we pick up where we left off two weeks ago, uh, we, had been st- we had started a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And so we spent two weeks looking at the Beatitudes, Christian character, Jesus' discussion and teaching on the characteristics of those who would follow him, who would be his disciple. Today we turn and we see the witness, the influence, the impact that those followers of Jesus ought to have on our world. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13. If anybody's excited to be here this morning, say amen. Let's read together. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people put a, or light a lamp and put it under a basket, but instead on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray today and ask the Lord to prepare our hearts to be receptive to what he has to say to us today. Father, you are the only one who can. The song that we just sung, you're the only one who can speak to the deepest recesses of our minds and our hearts. You're the only one that can transform our motivations for how we live and why we live. You are the only one today, and your word is the only word that can find its way down and do the transforming work that we so desperately need. God, I can't do it. We can't conjure up enough emotions in here, enough enthusiasm or excitement to do it. It has to be a divine work of your spirit and your word impacting our lives. And so I pray that we would leave here this morning saying that he was the only one who could have done it and he did it. And because of that, we have left here today prepared to serve our God, our Lord and our Savior in powerful, impactful ways in our word. God, I thank you for our church family. Father, I thank you for our guests. But God, we thank you most of all for the invitation to come and worship. Thank you, God, for your call to preach your word. Thank you for the gift of hearing and understanding that are so necessary for these moments and these minutes to have impact today. So speak to us. We ask and we pray earnestly. Amen. You can be seated. So Jesus has talked about the characteristics of his followers. He's talked about the poor in spirit, 
those who understand that they are spiritually bankrupt and have nothing to offer God. He's talked about uh, the type of person that is a follower of Christ, that's a person, a citizen of the kingdom, is one who is mourning over their sin, who's heartbroken over their sin, and also of the sin of our world. This type of person is meek. There is power under control. It is a person that is, is floored, is, is, is shocked, stunned that anybody would say anything positive about them because they know the only, on, the only condition of their heart is one of depravity. It's a person that's hungering and thirsting for that which is righteous. It's the pure in heart. It's the peacemaker. The one who's not seeking war, but is instead seeking peace in relationships and in this world. And it's those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And these are the characteristics, the qualities that Jesus gives in Matthew 5 verses 1 through 12 that we know as the Beatitudes. And he says that type of person is going to turn the world upside down. That type of person is going to have direct influence and be a powerful witness in this world. Now you and I and many who would read the Beatitudes would absolutely be scratching our heads thinking, how is that type of person going to make an impact in this world? Because you have to be assertive, right? And you have to mock and you have to be rude and you have to have your way. And you've got a hunger and thirst for some position and you've got a hunger and thirst for money and influence and power. And Jesus says, no, my way, the path that I am paving is a better path. It's a better way than the ways of the world. It's a better way to have influence in our society rather than to mock political leaders or to make fun of or to ridicule or to conjure up some theories, conspiracy theory that hadn't been proven and to pass that along as an assault, Jesus says, I've got a far better way for you to be influenced and to be a powerful witness in this world than by using the world's tools. He says, I'm going to take this group of people that the Spirit is working in, and I'm going to use them in powerful ways. They are going to be the salt and the light of this world. From a worldly perspective, Jesus' strategy makes no sense. But we've looked at many places in the Bible where Jesus' strategy didn't make a whole lot of sense from a worldly perspective, from worldly ways of doing things. And Jesus says, that's okay, my way is better. We're going to look at salt and light here in just a moment because this is what Jesus is talking about. But I want to pull out of this text something that I think is very, very uh, helpful. Something that ought to be a uh, reminder that stays with us every single day before we get specifically into the salt and light that Jesus is talking about here. I want you to see that Jesus is speaking to his followers and he says that there are two distinct communities at work and at play here in this passage. Not one, but two distinct communities that are very far apart in their understanding and their perspective of how things ought to operate. And those two communities are the church and the world. Do you see Jesus here when he says, now remember, back in chapter 4, 
He's talked about repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the message of John the Baptist. That's now the message of Jesus. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you can't have access to the kingdom of God. You can't be a citizen in the kingdom of God if you've never acknowledged the fact that you are a depraved, darkened individual who is sinful before almighty God and acknowledge that there's nothing you can do about and you repent, which means to acknowledge that the way that I am going is not the right way. It's the way to destruction and death and damnation. And so to repent means to turn and not only turn away from my sin, but to run towards God, my creator. And so Jesus has been preaching, repent, 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 for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, he says, those who have repented, those who are a part of the kingdom are going to have these characteristics. And he says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world that you there is plural he is speaking to those who are following him and it is emphatic he's saying you don't have a choice about this he says i am commissioning those of you who are my people who have those christian characteristics located in matthew 5 verses 1 through 12 and now i am commissioning you into the world he says this is not for the spiritually elite as, as if there were a spiritually elite group of people. This is not simply for the pastors or the deacons or the elders to, to do this. This is not simply for those that have been seminary trained or those that we've looked up to for so long. Those are going to be the salt of the earth. Those folks are the light of the No, 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 no. It is every person that's been purchased by the blood of Christ who he has called out of this world and he has redeemed you. And then what does he do? He sends us right back into the world, not to live like the world, but to have influence in this world. There are two distinct communities, the church and the world. And when those two distinct communities begin to blur the lines, when Christians lose our distinctiveness as to what makes us the people of God, we inevitably lose our influence on society. What makes us stand out? What makes the gospel so unique and so transforming and so powerful? It's not just simply that we worship together on a Sunday morning and then we leave here and live and think and act like the world the rest of the week. What makes the gospel so powerful is that it changes us from the inside out and we go and live in the world in a distinctly different way than the world. And when you and I lose that distinctiveness, we have lost our saltiness in this world. When you and I begin to laugh at what the world laughs about, when you and I begin to get to the point where we don't value human life, where we don't value marriage, where we don't value family worship when we don't value what god says is important we say well you know we would probably be a little bit more persuasive with the world if we lived and looked like and acted like the world and watched the same television shows as the world and, and engaged in the same uh, immorality as the world and laughed at what the world's laughing about we would probably have a better voice in the world and jesus says that's a lie straight from the pit of hell you don't gain influence by becoming less salty. Your influence and your impact are determined by your distinctiveness. 
He says, you are the salt of the earth. What, why does he mention the earth and the world? You are the salt of the earth. And, and salt and earth here are put up in contrasting pictures. Light and world put up here in contrasting pictures. Why is it that the earth needs the salt of Christianity? Why is it that the world needs the light of Christianity and the light of Jesus Christ? It's because the earth is decaying and it is rottening. The world is dark spiritually and morally. And he says, you're going to be that witness. I've called you to be that influence. Now I want to take this one step further before we get into the specifics here of salt and light. And I want to talk to you just a moment more about this distinctive nature and what we're up against, so to speak, where we find ourselves. Because it's not simply that the world has decayed and it stopped. It's not simply that the world is living in moral spiritual darkness. It's that it is an increasingly deepening decay and darkness that we find in our world. Paul in Romans 1, 2, and 3 I entitled the message that I preached several years ago on that particular passage, Lifting the Lid on Hell, in which Paul describes the downward spiral of humanity apart from the life-changing message and life of Christ. And I think you would admit that when we look at our world apart from Christ, it's like a piece of meat that has become ruined and decaying and rottening. I think you would agree that it's getting worse in a lot of respects. And if it were not for God's message and God's people, it would decay at a more rapid pace. You and I have been called salt and light. And you say, man, this world is so bad. I don't want any part of this world. God has put us here in the 21st century exactly for this purpose. Things aren't supposed to be easy. If you leave a piece of meat out, what's going to happen to that meat over the course of hours and days? Your house is going to stink because that meat's going to decay. That's simply what meat does. Many of you remember the illustration I gave not too long ago of when somebody in our church was very kind and, and gave us some crappie to take home and to cook and I picked it up here at the church they had left it here in the refrigerator uh, I picked it up and put it in my car and I was really busy that day and when I got home I forgot it okay and so things go on and uh, throughout the week and, and I, I believe that Lindsay and I had gone out of town for a couple days in her vehicle we get back and it was a Sunday morning and I remember this Sunday morning Timothy and Nathan are ready to go to worship with me they're coming early to, to open the doors and to welcome you and Timothy comes back running in the house. Daddy, the garage stinks and your car smells awful. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, we've got a dead rat or something in the garage. And so I go and look and I, then it dawned on me. That fish had been sitting in the back of my trunk for five days. What does fish do when it's not refrigerated? It decays. What should we expect from our world? Our world is going to decay because the life-giving nature of God does not live in our world. Our world has chosen sin. So why does our world stink spiritually and morally? Because that's what life apart from God disintegrates into. 
which is why God has put his people here to act as salt and to act as light, to be salt and to be light. So let's unpack this a little bit as we think about these two distinct communities. First of all, we see that Jesus says, you are the salt of the world or the salt of the earth. The church is called to act as a preservative in a decaying world. Now for us, when we think about salt, when we think about salt, what do we use salt for? For the most part in our day, we use it to flavor food, right? Okay. And some people, when they, when they eat and they sit down to a meal before they even taste their food, you see them picking up the salt shaker. All right. Um, when we cook, we put salt in food. So for us, salt is more as a, a flavoring, but in Jesus's time, the primary use of salt was to act as a preservative because they didn't have deep freezes during that time. And so what they would do is take salt and rub it into various types of meat so that the salt would fight the bacteria of decay and, and, and cause it not to rot. That was the primary use in that day. Jesus says, you are living in a corrupted, decaying, rotting world in which the sanctity of human life is not appreciated or valued, in which the sanctity of marriage is not appreciated or valued in many places. I, I, I read something this week that Canada, with everything that's going on during COVID right now, uh, some folks have, have used this as an opportunity. Canada may be one of the easiest places to euthanize an elderly person when we come out of this time because of the ways that they have set up some of their law. There's no sanctity, no value for the sanctity of human life. We know in our country and in the world in which we live, there is no sexual ethic that's biblical. It's a free for all and it's resulted in the decay of the family and the decay of marriage as Jesus and the word of God describe it. And so you and I are living in a very corrupted world and we're to act as a preservative. Now, let me ask you, how much good is the salt in this, in this container? How much good is it doing right now? No good. I can open and pour it and look in there and it's gonna be full. It's full of salt, but it is doing absolutely no good in this container. Salt only begins to be of good use when you do what? Pour it out. Salt in Jesus' time would only be helpful if it was poured out on that meat and rubbed in so that the salt can act as a deterrent to the decay. Now in my study this week, I found something very interesting. Most of you know that the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because nothing can live in it because it's so salty. And from where Jesus is teaching this Sermon on the Mount, if you went southwest about 100 miles, history tells us that there was a sect, a group of people who had decided that they were gonna leave the wickedness and evil of the world and they were going to form a monostatic compound where they would write the scrolls. This is where we have found the Dead Sea Scrolls from this compound. And there's some who believe, who have done a lot of Jewish research, 
There are many who believe that when Jesus was talking about being the salt of the earth and this idea of being poured out, he might have given a glance to the Southwest where many people knew that that group was meeting because they had sheltered themselves in and they were of no use in deterring the decay of their world. Now, friends, it's fine and it's great and it's wonderful for us to come together as God's people and to celebrate our saltiness and to celebrate what Christ has done and to be reminded from his word of what he's called us to and what he's accomplished on our behalf. And we need each other, which is why we're back together this morning in Safeway. But if we come together on a Sunday and we worship and we sing and we hear a decent sermon and we leave here and our attitudes and our motivations and our language and our choices look no different from the world, the salt is not being poured out. Salt is meant to be spread. It's meant to be scattered. It's not to stay in the container. It's of no use in the container. And if our Christianity is Sunday morning only, and it's having no influence when you go to your places of work or young people, when you go to your place of learning, we aren't being what God has commanded us to be. I am grateful. I am so grateful that so many of you understand that God's called us to be on mission. And when we leave here, we're to take our saltiness with us. We're to live out our saltiness and to be rubbed into the world. We've got school teachers here, and I am so thankful that you have allowed yourself to be scattered and rubbed into the decaying world that many young people come from, and you are Christian salt and light to them that they may never see anywhere else principals, school teachers, nurses, assistants that are getting to have opportunity to influence young people and you're being salt. Friends, if you teach and treat these young people the same way everybody else does, if you don't understand that, that God has called you to that schoolroom, to that classroom, uh, not just because you enjoy it, not just so you can get a paycheck, and not just so because, you know, that's what you're really good at, but so that you can be salt in that schoolroom, you have missed the purpose of your calling. We've got business people in here. We've got nurses and medical personnel. We've got people that work in banks. And your purpose is not, to, if you work at a bank, it's not just so that you can make more money and help other people make more money. God has put you there and gifted you with the ability to use math and money so that you can act as a deterrent to the greed and injustice in our world. Amen? Wherever God has put you, you are supposed to be salt. Salt. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And then he says, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can it be made salty? Again, how can it be restored? This is one of those more difficult things to understand and to see what Jesus is talking about because scientifically, a grain of salt cannot lose its saltiness. But Jesus was speaking in a way that the people of his day would have readily understood. 
And then this week, as I was looking at this particular aspect of, of losing its saltiness and how that applies to us as believers, I came across some thoughts. One from a scientist. This scientist suggested that what was then popularly called salt was in fact a white powder, perhaps from around the Dead Sea. It contained sodium chloride salt, but it also contained much else, since in those days there were no refineries. This dust that the sodium chloride was probably the most soluble component of was the, was the component that was most easily washed out. So you had, you had salt, you had sodium chloride, but you had all these other impurities, and those other impurities would become stronger if it, uh, than the salt in that particular environment. The residue of white powder still looked like salt, and it was doubtlessly still called salt, but it neither tasted nor acted like salt. It was just road dust. Now look back in your Bible at Matthew 5, 13, where Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its saltiness, what is the only thing that it's good for? To be thrown out and to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. In other words, the only thing that it's good for is road dust. Jesus here is saying, if our lives are so polluted and contaminated by the impurities of this world that you can't pick up the salt content that exists within you because of what you've been looking at and the way you've been talking and now what you laugh at and what you pursue and, and the greed of your heart and the materialism that's in your life. If all of these impurities have acted to cause you to lose your saltiness and your ability to influence the world, he says you're nothing better than road dust. Now, I don't know about you, but that shocked me when I was studying that in the past couple weeks. That pierced my heart. Because what makes me distinct and what makes you distinct and what makes the people of God distinct and effective in our influence and witness into this world is our purity. And when we lose our purity, you and I become road dust that people trample on. Our God has commissioned us in a very unique way through the Christian characteristics that we've looked at in the Beatitudes. And he says, with this type of spirit and attitude, I am commissioning you out to make a great impact in the world. On the negative end, to arrest decay, to stop decay by speaking out in a loving, truthful way when there are injustices and unrighteousness in our world. And I am commissioning you to be the light of the world, to offer hope to the world, to shine light in dark places when people don't know where to turn. You provide them paths uh, to move forward, and that path is Jesus Christ. 
You think about this great task that Jesus has commissioned us to. The local manifestation uh, of God's people here at Glory Fellowship. He has commissioned us and strategically placed each one of us as a granule of salt in a place of decay in this world. And because you and I would choose to be impure and have our lives uh, impacted by such impurities instead of being refined by the word of God, that you and I would choose to be road dust instead of influential and impactful salt boggles the mind. Friends, today, we need to ask the Lord Jesus to remove the impurities. Not just so that we feel better about ourselves, but so that we can be the witness and influence that he's called us to be. Salt and light. Saltiness. What's your salt quotient? What, what, what's, what's, your, what's your level of saltiness? Has God put you in a place and when you see injustice, you lovingly but truthfully call that to account? Or do you hide behind the scenes and say, no, I can't speak to that? Are you and I light or have we taken the light of the gospel, which is so powerful? And yeah, we'll sing about it when we come together and we'll preach about it and we'll pray about it and we'll talk about it when we're with Christian brothers and sisters in the salt container. But as soon as we are poured out into the world, we take the, the shade and put it over the light that exists within us because we don't want anybody to know that I am a Jesus follower. Because as the old song says, what will people think if they find out that I'm a Jesus freak? The answer to that question is they may persecute us and they may mock us. But over the long haul, you and I will have a kingdom impact amongst people who desperately need it. You are the salt of the earth. You and I are the light of the world. Friends, don't choose to be road dust. Be sanctified. One of Jesus' last prayers John chapter 17, before Jesus is to go and to be unfairly tried and beaten and then crucified, Jesus prays. And you know who Jesus was praying for? Jesus was praying for us. In Jesus' prayer, we see that he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for all believers who would come after. And in John chapter 17, we see that Jesus' request of God, sanctify them. Now, that word sanctify means to be set apart. Just as we've talked about the distinct nature of salt versus the earth and light versus darkness. Sanctify means to be set apart, to be different than, to be distinct. Sanctify them. Now, how am I going to be sanctified? Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, who is the word? Jesus Christ is the word and the Bible is the written word. So how do you and I keep from becoming road dust that was used to have people trample on it? How do we maintain our saltiness? By drawing from the well of Christ and from the well of his word and living in obedience. I don't think that there's a person in here I hope that there's not a person in here. Hope there's not anybody watching at home 
that's a, that claims to be a follower of Christ who would say, I really don't want to have any Christian influence in this world. I really don't care who goes to hell. I really don't care how rotten this world becomes. I've just got my get out of hell free card and I'm thankful to be going to heaven. I hope that everybody in here would say, yes, I want to be an effective witness and influence in this world for Jesus and for the kingdom. That's what I want. The question is, though, not necessarily what you want, but are you and I willing to do what it takes to get what we say we want? Are we willing to submit to the word of God and to the lordship of Jesus are we willing to turn off those shows that we shouldn't be watching and quit laughing at those jokes that we shouldn't be laughing at and quit speaking the way that we speak so that we have a greater sensitivity to decay and to rot? And because we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we want others to experience the righteousness of God as well. Friends, you are the salt. You are the light. And when we leave these doors here in a few minutes, we will either allow ourselves to be rubbed into society, to be in the world, but not of the world. We will allow ourselves and let the light of Jesus shine through us to a dark world. Or we'll try to blend in. And Jesus' followers should not blend in. What a great commission that he's given to us. Because he that lives within us is greater than he that lives within the world. Let him live through you, in you, and through you for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And God, as our team comes to lead us, I pray that we would respond to this message I pray that we would respond to this passage of Scripture with, yes, I will. Yes, I will. I will follow Christ. I will submit to the Word of God. I will submit to the commission of Jesus and be obedient to that, to go out into this world and wherever He's placed me, to be salt and to be light by loving people, by speaking against injustice and greed, by standing up for marriage and for life, by praying about these specific things, and by acting out and speaking out in love and truth. Father, thank you for your word and the way you have touched my heart and pierced my heart this week with this particular text. And now God may we be poured out of the salt shaker and allow your guiding hand to purify us and to rub us into some society that needs a Christian influence. May you be honored by our response today. We want to thank you for listening to this message and the podcast today. Uh, we hope that you were encouraged and edified by the message. If you have questions, we encourage you to visit us at gloryfellowship.org.